It's been two years and many miles. I thought it was all over in November 2021. But you can't keep a good dog down. Or a wolf. Or even a wolf stag. So welcome back to Wolf Stag Season 5. So I'm back, we're back, no I'm back, there's only me doing this one, uh, welcome back everybody at season 5 of Woolstock, which I didn't think was ever going to happen, in November 2021, I was very much done, I thought I'd pretty much had everything I wanted to say, but stuff happens in two years, and well, I've missed you all. So, I thought I'd revive it, and here I am. Uh, revived around about the same time that I've actually been involved with another podcast with uh, a good friend and colleague of mine, Carrie Ann Stevens. So, if you're listening to this and you haven't checked out the other podcast, uh, please do check it out on our usual podcast providers. It is called I Don't Know Much But. And on that show, we're going to have uh, guests coming in every week and talking about different topics. Um, but that's that show. And this is me. My ramblings, my ravings, my nonsense. At this point, I probably should explain who I am. For those of you who are first-time listeners to this show, um, so my name is Mike Michael. Call me what you will, as long as it's not late for me dinner, as my dad used to say. Um, I am a youth worker. I'm a mental health professional, um, but I'm also a... Does it sound a little bit too poncy and pretentious to say I'm a poet? But I have. I've written two books of poetry, so you know what? They're out there, aren't they? Um, And a podcaster. Uh, And this is a a real format I enjoy doing. I I enjoy enjoy the sound of my own voice. So I thought I'd give everybody else the opportunity to... Um, but so this is this is where Wolfstag was born. So Wolfstag was born out of uh, me writing poetry and wanting to do it anonymously uh, because I didn't want to get laughed at, to be totally honest. Uh, but I was I was outed, outed in in twenty twenty, and two books followed. Uh, which, if I can get the shameless plug in right now, are still available um, on Amazon. Uh, Wolfstag Poetry and Words and the Plain Leaves at Six. That's the plug out of the way. Uh, let's move on. So I've revived the podcast. Um, and each week, it's just going to be me talking about uh, life, things that I've seen in the world, my travels, my adventures. It could be a proper eclectic mix of just about everything. Uh, and if that's something you enjoy listening to, please do. Give me a like, give me a rate, give me uh, a subscribe. Give me a subscribe. Subscribe to me. It's a little bit Yoda, that. Um, but without further ado, let me tell you what's been going on.
Do you like the new music, by the way? It's called One Shot by Soundroll. Pretty funky, isn't it? Um, and at that point, I should apologise to uh, Cousin David. DJ, I, I dropped your guitar twang that served me so well for the first four seasons. Um, but as all good things, must come to an end. And we've moved to a new podcast provider, Acast. A little bit of a shout out there. Um, yeah, and I've changed some music. I've changed a little bit of the format as well, to be honest with you. Because I'm not going to be writing a, a poem every week. If I feel the urge to write one and read it out for you, I will do. But that was part of the reason why I stopped the last one. Because I was struggling. Because I can't be forced to perform. I'm not a performing monkey. I'm not some sort of circus boy who can dance. Monkey bird dance. I can't do that. You know, I'm an artiste. And an artist must have his muse. And I wasn't feeling very amused. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So, what's been happening in the... Uh, <whistles> nearly two years since I've spoken to you all last. Well, I've acquired a new nickname in work. Um, so, I believe. Uh, my contour. Because I've I've been out and about, uh, everyone. I have. I've been... I've been Getting to see a little bit of the world. My passport's never seen so much action. Um, so I've been to Dublin, I've been to Milan, travelled all around the UK. Um, I've recently, and when I say recently, yesterday, at the day recording this, yesterday, uh, actually flew back from Berlin, Germany. For those of you who are a little bit geographically challenged, Berlin's in Germany, Germany's in Europe. I don't know, it's a bit of a swear word for some people. But I'm very positive on Europe. Um, I'm not getting into politics. I'm not going to do that. But the Germans are lovely people. They're absolutely gorgeous. Um, everyone, Every single one of them that we met, actually, was so incredibly helpful. It was it was brilliant. Um, but, yeah, we went to... Uh, me and the lady uh, went to Berlin uh, for a few days. And it is just a beautiful, incredible city. And it's it's so mixed in terms of architecture. As with most cities, it's a bit of a melting pot of of people, you know, because because big cities tend to have their influx of of immigrants. That's just the way of the world. People move. People live in different places. Um, but but Germany from a or Berlin from a, an architectural point of view is absolutely stunning. It has a real mix of old classic architecture. And some of the photographs that I've taken, because uh, I like a bit of photography, uh, some of the photographs I was able to take there of, of some of these places don't don't do it justice. One little bit, um, but then you mix that with this new modern architecture, which was just breathtaking. It, it was truly a feast for the eyes. If you if you're interested in architecture, if you're one of those people like me that will watch like you know, George Clark and Grand Designs and are really into that kind of thing. Um, then Berlin is absolutely one of those places to go. Lots of very modern, very modernist new architecture. Lots of circles, lots of lines, hard straight lines. But beautiful as well because they mix that with nature. Um, so they'll have that kind of stuff near and by parks. Really is an incredible place. And Berlin, um, Berlin Grand central station if you want to call it that Hauptbahnhof is that what it's called? Berlin Hauptbahnhof which is their big main railway station 
was genuinely like something out of Blade Runner, like something out of Star Wars, all on different levels, with trains and trams going in different directions, all across these different levels. The elevator was in these long glass tubes. That was a little bit like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. You know, it was just, just, ah, mind-blowing. Mind-blowing, eye-blowing, incredible. So we went, we went, we went for a, for a bit of, bit of fun. We actually bought it. Let me tell you this, guys. We bought it as a mystery deal. Now, be honest, I wouldn't do a mystery deal again. Not because I have an issue with it being a mystery, because we've ended up in, in Milan earlier on the year in Berlin. Um, two places I'd love to see, but I probably wouldn't have straight away picked that as a destination. But no, they've got a tendency of sticking you in a hotel in the back of beyond, which is an absolute nightmare to get to. And the first day we got there, let me tell you, it was dark. It was absolutely chucking it down with rain. We ended up in a German-Turkish kebab house with a little bit of good fortune. This probably one of the tastiest burgers. And for those of you that know me, I like me burgers. I'm a bit of a, of a burger aficionado. 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 I love a burger. Yeah. Uh, yeah, one of, the, one of the greatest little little uh, burger joints uh, that I've ever stumbled across. And it was absolutely gorgeous. Um, and then we got an Uber to the hotel. Um, takes a bit of time for those of you that travel a little bit, that go to new cities, especially not in the UK. Um, it takes a little bit of time to get your bearings, find out you know your route, find out your best ways of, of getting around. And, and the next day, when we've, we'd had a good night's sleep and a rest, uh, we actually discovered that um, it was really quite easy to get there had we known. Reversing it, getting from your hotel into the city is a whole lot easier than landing in a city and finding your way to a hotel. So you kind of, you, you do that journey and then you reverse engineer it. Uh, so it was, it was cool. It was it was a beautiful, beautiful time. Um, now on a recommendation, because some of you might know, for those of you that don't know me, uh, I do like food. I'm a bit of a foodie. I wouldn't go as far as to say I'm a food snob, but we had two really good food experiences uh, when we were in in Berlin. One was the takeaway fast food, which you are told that if you're going to go to Berlin, this is the food to have. And it's called Currywurst. If you've not come across it, you can even try this, this at home, I suppose. So basically you get German sausage. Bratwurst, you get like bratwurst and bockwurst, it all ends in verst, all different sausages, but I think they use a bratwurst sausage. Um, they either do it whole or as we had it, it was all sliced up like coins on the plate with chips, gotta be chips, and it was crinkle chips. Now, I'm going to digress a little bit. What is it about crinkle chips that make them so much nicer than other chips? Is it because there's more edges and they get a bit crispier? Could be that, but... Yeah, crinkle cut chips, salt and vinegar on your chips, but then on the sausage, and this is what makes it the curry first, is they pour um, curry ketchup, and then they sprinkle it with curry powder. Now, some of you are going to be sat there thinking, that sounds like a little bit of a, of a mess, but let me tell you, it was one of the tastiest little fast food treats 
um, that I think I've ever had. It, it was proper, proper lovely. And we had it, go figure this, this is the sort of mad weekend that it was. We were actually at Checkpoint Charlie, the old American border between East and West Berlin back in the day. So we'd been to visit Checkpoint Charlie. We'd had our photographs taken, you know, like punters, as you do. Um, and then we found this little place next door called Charlie's Beach. And it was, you walked through these gates and you were kind of like this little sort of fenced, metal fenced compound area that had different food, fast food vendors and and uh, bars and stuff like that. And there was deck chairs all like that. It was mad. Um, I tripped over a, a post. I've spent this weekend, just to go off kilter a little bit here, I have spent, for some bizarre reason, this weekend tripping over stuff. I, I don't know what's going wrong with me. I don't know. I blame my boots. To be honest with you, I'm blaming my boots. Too heavy, and they were they were magnetised towards things. Although saying that, the first night I was there, I came out of the bathroom and walked into a wall, head-butted the wall. I know. I know. Only me. So, yeah. So, we had the curry first. Absolutely lovely. Had a cold bottle of... of of beer there, Berliner beer, which was which is really gorgeous, uh, and that was the first of one of the main little food experiences. Now we were quite determined that while we were there, we wanted the proper food experience because you know what it's like when you go to a city; they try and cater for everybody. So there was the Mackies, there was the KFC, there was the Italian restaurants. I love Italian food, you know me. I absolutely adore pasta and pizza, but I didn't come to Germany for pasta or pizza or Asian cuisine, you know, noodle fusions, Chinese restaurants or anything like that. We wanted the full-on German experience. And I won't go through the full list of what we had. If you follow me on social media, you can absolutely um, uh, find it there. Um, but it was called Restaurant 1840 and it was a 1920s themed German restaurant that did every sort of German German. I don't know why I went slightly Geordie then. You know why it is? Because whenever I think of Germany, I think of Newcastle because I'm a massive fan of Alveda's own pet. So every time I think about Germany, like you know, I, I kind of slip into a Geordie accent, you know, like um, yeah. So it was this is really really funky um, German food. And great staff, great waiters. We were looked after. The lady stole a blanket. Oh, actually, do you know what? To be fair, no, she didn't steal it. She asked for permission. We went and drank our, our beers outside. No, we didn't have beers, we had wine. Nice Italian wine in a German restaurant because we didn't want Liebfrau Milch. Um, and we sat outside and it was a little bit cold and they had these fleecy blankets, which obviously would have been a giveaway of some alcohol brand out there because they were bright orange and emblazoned with the badge of whatever this alcohol was and she was sat outside snug as a bug in a rug and she's never more happier than when she's warm this is the lady in the heat of summer who will not only take a hot water bottle to bed but will put the electric blanket on beforehand nightmare but to each that own love you love who's um so she was wrapped around a blanket and then had the <laughs> the cheek, the nerve, the audacity to tap up the waiter to see if we could take one. And he said, well, you know, if if I don't see, if I turn away and somehow the, the blanket slips into your bag, then I know nothing about it at all. And 
with that prompt she took to. Because she didn't want to leave me out. Because, you know, bless her. That's what she does. So, a great time had. Absolutely fantastic. If you get the chance to go, go. I'm going to have a little rant now, everybody. Um, and this might even become a regular feature as part of the show. Um, but I couldn't let this slip by. I don't care what your excuse is. I don't care your reasonings behind it. If you thought it was a bit of fun or you were staging a protest or whatever, you don't cut down a tree. I was absolutely devastated. And genuinely, it takes an awful lot to, to, to get me that, that kind of emotional. But to see the Sycamore Gap tree in Northumberland, the Robin Hood tree, just cut down. What, what is going through people's minds that they think that's okay or it's a bit of fun or whatever? I mean, it's not even a, a builder or a you know, some sort of property developer because it was right in a place, it was right on Adrian's Wall. You, you couldn't you couldn't plant there anything you know, you couldn't build there, you couldn't you couldn't drive a train track through it or build a road or anything like that. You know, it was just wanton vandalism and it's absolutely devastating. Um bless that that lad that went up there and tried to, to, to plant a new one and I can you know the National Trust said you can't do that, we're gonna have to, you know, take it away. I, and I kinda get the reasons for that because it's gotta be the right tree, it's gotta be planted at the right time. You can't just be planting trees willy-nilly. And I hope they invite him back up to to do whatever it is uh, they do next up there. But it's not anything we're ever gonna see in our lifetime. That that tree took three hundred years to, to to get to where it was. And I just, there's times like this, and I'm very hopeful for for humanity. There's a lot of good, good people out there, as I found when I travelled to Germany. And I've, I say I've been, to, I've been to Dublin, I've been to Germany, you know, Ireland, Germany, uh, Italy. You know, I've, I've, I'm, I'm not a seasoned traveller, so maybe some of you out there have been to far more many places. But the one universal truth when you travel around is people are really lovely and people are really friendly. But when you see something like that, it properly tests your faith in humanity. I hope we're better than that. I think the vast, vast majority of us are. But it just takes one or two to louse it up, doesn't it? So, I hope they get the punishment that is befitting of a crime of that nature. Personally, I really hope they get to, um, or are made to, plant thousands more trees to in some way compensate. Um, personally, I'd have, I'd have thrown them in prison for, for an act like that. I don't, I don't think there's any excuse. I mean, I know it's not murder, I know it's not drug dealing, but still, you know, it's... If we let little things like that slide humanity slides we really should be having less tolerance to that sort of thing especially at a time of environmental crisis when we are really on a tipping point we might have even tipped over the edge at the moment we don't know we just don't know it's frightening um 
But do you know what? For all of you out there, go and plant a tree. Commemorate it to someone. Plant it for the fun of it. If you've got a piece of land, and it doesn't have to be a huge, huge, big tree, but if you've got a bit of a garden or a green space somewhere where it's okay to do it, you might want to check first. Get, you know, get involved in nature. Plant trees, plant flowers, plant wildlife flowers. Build these nature corridors. Encourage your wildlife in your garden. You know, put bird food out. Put things out that attract butterflies and bees. There's genuinely no greater joy than being sat outside in the quiet and just taking in nature. Um, it really is a it really is a joy. Okay, back to the nonsense. Let me tell you about something that's happened that you're all going to be completely aware of in the time between the last episode and this brand new one. Now, those of you who know me will know that sometimes I have an issue with, with impulse control. And as such, I've become on first name terms with most of my delivery drivers. And I'm prone to buying random nonsense. Okay, bit of an issue for me. So what happened? A little app called Timu. Have you seen it? Have you used it yet? It is an app that is chock full of the most random, weird, pointless, <laughs> just oddities that if you saw it in a regular shop, you wouldn't go anywhere near. And because of this, I absolutely love it. Uh, and I know such have bought, and I need to stop, just random stuff, random stuff. Right, so I've got a thing for putting tissues in, like a tissue dispenser. I've got a thing for your cotton buds that pull out. I've got a little camera that sat on a shelf because I didn't need a little camera. I've got, oh, a little camera that's on like a long bendy stick thing that points around corners. And I, in case you drop something down the back of your radiator or in a hard-to-reach place and you can't see it or, I don't know, need to look up your bum. I don't know. I don't know why I bought it. It's weird. If you go on there now, you can see things like mini toolboxes. Honestly, it's a mini toolbox full of actual mini tools, like a tiny hammer and a tiny saw and a tiny set of screwdrivers for tiny, tiny people. Now, I'm not having a go at, at diminutive people here. You know, this is not, it's not for them. No, we're talking about inch high people because they would need a tiny, tiny, tiny little toolbox because they're obviously wanting to do tiny, tiny little jobs. I don't know who it's for. I don't know what it's about. But they're selling them and they're selling them cheap and there's part of my brain that wants one. The best one now I saw last week is, well, it looks like a casket, like an urn, like an urn you'd put ashes in. Right, but it clips onto your, your key ring. I don't know, in case you want to take dead Uncle Freddy on a trip to the countryside or to the beach. 
hanging around your neck or something like that. It's weird. It's really, really weird. Clothes that no one would ever wear. Stuff that was going to end up in your kitchen drawer and never come out. Just stuff. And we've got enough stuff in the world. So, I say stop using it. Do you think I'm going to follow my own advice? <laughs> Absolutely not. I was talking before about nature and yeah, okay, I was having a little rant about people who do stupid things. Uh, people who cut down trees for absolute no reason. You know, like your government. Let's not get political. It's not a political podcast. Um, but what I want to talk about is just the restorative effects of nature. Now, I was having a conversation with Carrie-Anne, who I do the other podcasts with. I don't know much, but IDKMB, for those who, you know, hey, the cool kids say IDKMB. Um, and I was telling her how for the past 12 months I'd been doing uh, meditation, been using a meditation app. And I think it's really useful. It ha it's really has been a, a benefit to me, a bonus to me to be able to take five or ten minutes out of my day and just sit and just be. No distraction, no music, nothing to look at, no screens particularly, but just to be for that short amount of time and just concentrate on myself. But, I said, it was beginning to feel a little bit like forced fun. It felt like it was like, oh, it's eight o'clock, time to do your meditation. And it felt a little bit too forced instead of it being natural. And then I was saying, but you know what? When I get up of a morning, and again, those of you that know me, will you'll have heard me say this before. I used, I used to be a real news hound. Absolutely, get up in the morning, do my breakfast, TV on, BBC News, Sky News, whichever one, and just take in the events of the past 24, 24 hours. And I can't do that anymore. It's just, it's too depressing, it's too much. My brain hurts and it doesn't set me up for the day. It actually kind of ruins my day a bit. So what I started doing... Uh, and even in cold weather, was just opening the back doors. French, well, French doors at the back. Opening the French doors. And it's really quiet at the back of my house. There's trees and nature. And just getting my breakfast and sitting down and just having my brew. Yorkshire tea, always. Um, and having whatever my breakfast is. Bowl of porridge, bowl of cereal, whatever. And just listening to the birds and nothing else, and it's so peaceful, and what I discovered is, and this is what we were talking about, that is my meditation, that is my go-to place for 5, 10, 15 minutes of a morning, where I can just be me, and just think about the day ahead, and just relax, and it just sets you off, for the day going forward. So, this is not advice. This is not me saying what you should do. But for anybody out there that really wants to give a little bit of try to, to mindfulness and meditation and doing that, uh, 
if you're struggling with the app, if you're struggling doing that, but you can find a little quiet place in nature, you know, maybe at your lunchtime, maybe in the morning, like I do it for breakfast, you know, go out for a little walk, might be a walk to work, it might be a walk home, doesn't matter. But if you can find those little quiet spaces and, and nature spaces, just take a little bit, bit of time just to be. Honestly, guys, it's it can be game-changing. Hey, I tell you what I'd forgotten. Hadn't actually realised till I was looking at the date the last time I did the Wolfstab podcast. Because uh, I think I was talking about my 50th year coming up and the stuff that I had planned. Well, I'm 51 now. <laughs> so that entire year has, 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 has happened uh, and the stuff that we got up to. Um, and it was brilliant. It was a, it was a great, great year. So I, I got to drive the James Bond Aston Martin round a track. That was really, really very cool. Uh, we went to uh, Marrakesh on on holiday, Morocco, and send in love and best wishes to everybody out there that's been affected by that devastating earthquake that happened to them. It was absolutely awful. And I was when we were both watching the, the pictures back on TV, it was it was just heartbreaking to see places where we visited uh, be be so so badly affected. Uh, but a gorgeous country. Um, it's it's absolutely lovely, but one of the the most fun and memorable things that that happened um, that year was I got to fly a light aircraft uh, over Blackpool. Now, thank you for the lady; she bought this for me uh, as a birthday present. One because she thought it'd be an incredible experience, and it was. But also, I hadn't flown in years, and I was and I was quite jittery. I'm getting better now. I've flown a few times since. Not a massive fan of takeoffs. Once we're up, it's great. But takeoffs freak me out a bit. And it's my own fault. I heard someone say once the most dangerous time in a flight is takeoff because that is the time when the plane is fighting against gravity. All right. And most so most crashes happen at point of takeoff. Once you're up and you're flying, you're working with gravity. Right, even if you're coming down to land, if the engines fail, that you know the pilot will bring the plane down, right? Because you're working with gravity, the plane's designed that way. But that takeoff where you're pushing through it is dangerous. So I'm not great for those first few minutes at takeoff when the engines roar. I can feel the anxiety kick in, and it had been years. It had been a long time since I'd flown. So the flight. We went uh, up to Blackpool, me, the lady, Ruthie, um, and me folks went up to Blackpool, to Blackpool Airport, which if you don't know, it's a, it's a tiny, tiny little airport uh, just on the, the outskirts of town, to the south of town. Uh, and they've got a, a flight school there, which is not grand or fancy. It's not Liverpool Airport, you know, John Lennon Airport. It's certainly not Manchester. It's a couple of porter cabins. Which I, <laughs> made me a tad nervous, but it's what they do for a living. They're a small band, they're a family uh, company, and this is kind of what they do. So we get there, we arrive, we check in, 
the pilot comes out, my pilot instructor. Mike, good to meet you. Glad you're here today. Um, we're going to have a lesson, um, and this is this is what it's going to look like. And he gave me an overview, and took me outside, and showed me the plane, and described it as a, a Cessna 150 light aircraft. This was a go kart with wings. I kid you not. It was two seater. When we sat inside it, after giving the tour around the plane, which kind of like, they're the wings. Thank you, we're not that daft. That's the tail at the back. Those are the propellers. See the big clear thing at the front? That's the windscreen. Right. <laughs> yeah. Once he kind of told me, right now, he told me, like, you know, the flaps and bits and pieces and what all those different things do. And said, when we get inside, I'll show you where the levers and pedals and whatnot are that's going to control it. So once he gave me the tour around the plane, we get inside. Um, and genuinely, my left arm is touching the door. And my right arm is pretty much touching his shoulder. We are sat really close together. Dual control, he's got a joystick, I've got a joystick. So we get inside the plane, gives us a bit of a guided tour around the, the, the little dials and controls. He said, most of this you're not going to need to know. Most of this is, is for me, but keep an eye on that, keep an eye on that, keep an eye on that. All right, this means this, this means that, da 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 da. Right, this is like your steering wheel, your joystick. Right, if you if you turn it to the left, the plane will bank to the left. If you do it to the right, it'll go right. Pull back, you go up. Push down, you go down. Your foot pedals control the plane going left or right as well. So the front of the nose will go left or right rather than tilting. If you use both together, then you can do those really cool sweeps, and maybe we can get to do that when we're up there. That is how it works. Now he said takeoffs, landings. That's not for you to worry about. That takes many lessons. That takes experience. So I'm going to take the plane up. And when your lesson's over up there, I'll take back control. I'm going to land it. Okay? Okay, I said. So he does his checks with the radio. Does his checks with the plane, all the gauges. and Now there's, there's no computers in this thing, guys. There's no computers. Nothing like that. This is this is literally a Renault engine and some levers and dials and pulleys. It's old school. It probably is. Right? So he does his checks and did it, you know, press that, pull that, crank that, whatever. Right? Starts the engine and we slowly taxi round to the runway. Right? So if you've been on holiday anyway, you get the same sort of thing. Right? You, you, you pull up, you board your plane, it taxis slowly out, gets round to where the runway is, lines up and then stops. It's the same thing for us. So we do that, we line up. He's on the radio tower, just doing his final checks to the tower. And I'm praying at this point that the tower's going to come back and say, really sorry, weather's too bad, we can't do this today. Oh, we'll say, so sorry, it's been rained off, the weather's too stormy, we'll have to rebook. And I'll go, oh, don't you worry, it's fine. I'm not disappointed. But no. Message came back over the tannoy. Green light for takeoff. You're cleared for takeoff. He looks at me. I look at him. Are you ready? He says. Yeah, I'm ready. Even though my heart is giving it tens of the dozen. Right? I'm a little bit nervous, but I'm controlling it. Feel the fear and do it anyway. That's my mantra. That's the book I just read. Feel the fear and do it anyway. 
have a word with yourself just be in that 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 space that zone this is statistically the safest form of travel i've never seen a plane crash but i've seen cars crash on motorways right and but I'm, i don't have a fear a fear of cars I'm not afraid of cars right so what's going on have a word have a word it's fine it's safe he's a qualified instructor this is all good and i'm doing that repeating it repeating it and he engages the engine and it roars to life we start to move down the runway and we're hurling down the runway we're picking up speed we're picking up speed it's going faster and faster and he's got his hands on the joystick and he pulls back and we slowly start to lift and what and the nose goes up first so you're sitting slightly backwards you can feel the pressures you can feel already that little bit of g-force going on and it lifts and we take off and it's fine and it's good because it's five feet it's 10 feet it's 20 feet even we're close to ground still it's okay and we're going up and we're going up and we're going up we take off and we're flying around and we start to fly over the houses of blackpool and at around about 500 feet and you can travel when you get in an airplane like that you can go quite a distance so we're actually believe it or not approaching morgan at this point around about 500 feet and i know it's 500 feet because i can see it on the uh, the altimeter in front of me i look out the window and my little chimp brain my reptilian brain my anxiety ridden part of my brain the limbic system that tells you to be terrified of everything goes if we fall out the sky now this is really going to hurt and my anxiety went into absolute <gasps> okay 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 and i'm gripping my thighs right and i am shaking my legs my body is getting so tense and i can feel the cold sweat kicking but and now he said to me here's the thing he said if at any point this gets too much say so we'll turn it around we'll go back but i was determined not to not to be done by it right i didn't want to be beaten by this this is going to be good if i just allow myself to go with it and let it happen so i'm fine i'm fine 500 feet 750 a thousand 1250 at round about 1500 feet we are properly over morecambe and at that point we go up we go up and at 1800 we start to break through the clouds and we go through this cloud cover and then all i can see in front of me is this golden quilted cloud landscape can't see the ground anymore all i can see is cloud with all its different colors and hues and the sky <gasps> And it was awesome, genuinely breathtaking, an experience that you wouldn't believe. And my anxiety started to turn into excitement and enjoyment. And he banked the plane around and we dropped back down through the clouds. And he points the plane down the filed coast, the Blackpool coast. 
I'm looking out the window and I can see it now. I can see Blackpool to the left and the Irish Sea to the right. I can see Blackpool Tower and the comedy carpet. I can see the three piers. I can see the pleasure beach in the distance. And the sea, the Irish Sea, over to my right hand side. And this huge, huge blue sky. And he looks at me and goes, okay, Mike, we've gone through the instructions. It's quite simple. I'm here with you. Now it's your turn. <gasps> really? Now? Yeah. This is where you get to fly the plane. And I put both hands on the joystick and I grabbed it. And he said, don't worry. He said, this is an acrobatic plane. You can't go wrong. You can put this really through its manoeuvres. You're not going to do anything wrong. And I'm here anyway. If 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 you did something wrong, if in the, the extreme event you did something really bad here, I'm here to pull it back. You're absolutely fine. Take controls. Fly the plane. And I grabbed the joystick. And I pulled back. And we started to rise. Back through the cloud. Push down. We came back down again. Oh my word. And I'm pulling back a lot. And I'm pulling back a little bit. I'm pushing down. And we're shooting down. A little bit. Pulling it back up. And every time I'm doing something, I can feel the plane reacting. I can feel how my actions are affecting the plane. And I'm learning all the time. Right, little movements. How much, if I pull it back a little bit, how much the plane will move. Okay, I turn the joystick to the left. And I can feel it just tilt to the left, to the right, to the right. Doing that. So we're kind of doing this backwards and forwards thing. And he said, don't forget to use your pedals. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, cool, do that. So I turn the joystick to the left and put my foot down on the left. <sighs> we sweep down to the left. Now I'm starting to manoeuvre. Oh, my word. This is incredible, we're manoeuvring. The more I'm doing it, the more I'm learning, the more I'm getting the feel of it, the more exciting it's getting, the more just this adrenaline is pumping through me. It's brilliant. And I get to the point where I say to him, do you know what I said? I've made a little bit of a joke to my friends. I've said to them all, look out for me because I'm going to loop this around the, the top of Blackpool Tower. That's just silly, that, isn't it? And he went, do you want to do it? I went, yeah, I absolutely do want to do it. Okay, follow my lead. Just listen to what I'm telling you, where to go, and, we'll, and you're going to do it. And we did. I flew that thing round the top of Blackpool Tower. Oh... My word. We came back out of that manoeuvre. We went sideways over the top of the Pepsi Max. I used to have a little bit of a fear of roller coasters. Not anymore. That's all gone. Not since I've seen it sideways from a thousand feet out of a plane. Whew. Over the top we went and I saw these tiny, tiny little people in, in the carriages of the roller coaster down below. Right? My fear, gone. Don't have that anymore. Finally, we leveled back up and he said, okay, we've come to the end of a lesson. I'm going to take back control. Have you enjoyed it? Oh, my word. Yeah, I have. And we come back into land. He takes control. And he flies the plane back into Blackpool Airport. We land with a little bit of a bump and a skid. Absolutely cool. Slow down and we taxi slowly round to the hangar where we, where we started off from. And my family's there. My mum and dad came to see. 
briefly said, the lady. And I get out of the plane, and she's got a look on her face. Can't lie, guys. She's got a look on her face, and she's looking around at other people going, he is going to absolutely puke up his guts when he gets out of that plane. Is anybody going to book it? Have you got a bucket? Because he's going to be sick as a dog when he gets out of there. I, but I step out of the plane. When we stop, we step out of the plane. And I give her a look. And she looks at me and she goes, How was it? And I went, mm, Oh my God, that was incredible. That was genuinely the most exhilarating experience I've had in my entire life. Thank you. And do you know what? I genuinely meant that. It's changed me. It's made me braver. It's made me happier. It's made me realise that, do you know what? Some of the things we think to be afraid of and scared of, they're really not that bad. And when you when you face your fears, oh my, the stuff that you learn, the stuff you get out of it, the stuff you learn about yourself, it's just incredible. So guys, you, you might not get to fly a plane or drive a fast car or do something exhilarating like that. But the next time you get a little moment in your life where that fear sets in that says, oh, what if it goes wrong? What if what if it goes bad? What if people don't like it? What if, what if, what if? Tell it to shut up. Say thank you, because I know you're just trying to keep me safe. Right, but shush, I'm doing this. And go out and do it, because it will be the best experience you will ever have. And with that, guys, that is Season 5, Episode 1, all done. Um, ah, do you know what? It's been a bit of a buzz to be back. So uh, if you've if you've liked this and enjoyed it, to my name rambling, tune in next week where there is bound to be more nonsense and drivel spoken by my good self. Um, thank you for listening. Again, if you like it, like, rate, subscribe, do the whole thing. It means the world to me. Um, yeah, so see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Wolfstag Podcast. I've been your host, Mike Jones. Production and editing has been by me, Mike Jones. The music you've been listening to is One Shot by Soundroll. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do like, rate, leave a comment. It really does help. So tell your friends as well. This has been a Wolfstag production for the Acast Creator Network.